Welcome to Periop Talk, the perioperative-specific podcast where we discuss how to make surgery safer one podcast at a time. From Q&As with AORN guideline authors to interviews with OR nurses just like you, our goal is to always share practical information for you to take back to your OR. Welcome to Periop Talk. I'm Renee Battier, Vice President of Nursing at AORN. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are speaking with Dina Salomon, Director of Surgical Nursing for the Maine ORs at Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. More than a dozen years ago, Dina implemented a patient safety program to prevent unintentionally retained surgical items across the 56 ORs she oversees at the Maine campus. It wasn't without challenges, of course, but we're going to hear why and how Cleveland Clinic did it and talk a little bit about some of the significant benefits for patients as well as staff. Welcome, Dina. Thank you, happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this time today. So unintentionally retained surgical items or RSI are usually sponges or cotton, but also include things like instrument fragments and guide wires that are accidentally left behind in a patient. It's one of the most reported sentinel events to the Joint Commission. And research says that it happens at least once every 10,000 surgical procedures, depending on which study. But because reporting is voluntary, it's also likely underreported and underestimated. Dina, does that reflect what you've seen in your own practice? Oh, absolutely, it has. Like you said, I'm the director of the Cleveland Clinic, and we are a large um, teaching institute. You know, in my main OR, we start about 56 ORs a day. So that's multiple, multiple, multiple surgeries a day, up to over 200. So yes, we are definitely being very cautious in our patient safety and you know, retaining surgical items, not just sponges, is, is one of the mm-hmm. things that we take very seriously with you know, numerous counts and timing of counts and all of that good stuff goes into our daily practices with our, with our nursing team, as well as our surgical team and anesthesia. Pretty much anybody who is in the room takes part in all of this. So we take it very seriously. It happens. Um, it has happened before, and it, and it and it may continue to happen, which we want to try to prevent. But we're human, so you know, just making sure that we're educated and we know what we're um, counting and what we need to count is, is most important for us. I think counting has been a part of a or nurses' life for uh, all of our lives, and the amount of things we count has only increased. Going to this kind of approach is really about changing some culture. So tell us a little bit about that journey of going kind of beyond counting to really implementing a broader strategy. We do a bunch of things to make sure that um, we are all on the right page and we check and recheck. Where I work, we have a, a thing what we call it as a code rust. If you will, it's almost like being at the airport, looking at all of our <laughs> ORs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very large, and we have different boards. Um, and the, the boards tell us, you know, who's in the room, what surgeons in the room, you know, where we are with the surgery, at what point, whether we're just making skin incision or we're closing. It also has a feature that alerts everybody, especially at our control desk. Our nurses are there, kind of our air traffic controllers if we are missing an item. So as soon as it comes to our attention that we may be missing a sponge or an instrument or anything that is involved with our counting process, there's a, there's a, a button that's clicked 
and it flashes and it flashes on that room and it lets us know and everybody else know that we are looking for um, a lost item, whether it's retained or not. It may be in the garbage. It may be, you know, may have left the room for whatever reason, but we are definitely making sure that everybody knows what is going on and if we need help. And it's been a huge, huge asset to our counting process. Tell us a little more about how you got to that code rust. I love that. I know. Because that's such a different focus. And I, I know in some of my professional journeys through this that even paying attention to miscounts, miscounts, whatever you want to call them, the ones that get corrected, the, those almost were normal. How often did that happen? That's fine. It got corrected. So that's a huge shift to not only focus on that, but also call attention to the code rest. And that's definitely a culture change. So tell us how you went from, no, it's not an issue to now you've got a full public attendance to code rest. So yeah, Renee, that's a great question. Um, We do what we call a near miss. So if we do have something that's gone missing, Um, and we can't find it, and maybe we do find it before the patient wound is closed and everything is is okay, we do call it a near miss. And we do report that in what we call a SERS, which I'm sure everybody out there has a reporting system in their hospital, but it's Mm -hmm. safety, you know, event risk that kind of goes to upper management, executive level, it goes to our quality department. And they keep track, even though we may have found the sponge or the instrument a near miss is just as important as a retained um, surgical item. Mm-hmm. Um, so we calculate that and we look, you know, what are the patterns? What are we seeing? You know, what is most commonly um, documented in our near misses? And we learn from that. Um, we have a great education department come together as a team. And uh, we really, you know, strive to make sure that we are all on the same page and understand, you know, where we are falling short and making sure that it doesn't happen. It's really, um, I know, considered a basically a precursor event. And so only attending to the event itself doesn't give you all the clues along the way. And I, I love that story about how you've shifted it back to what are all the other things that can be happening and really focusing on that to learn as part of your journey. Right. You know, we, we also look at different things like you know, when we are counting and we do have a near miss or a retained surgical item, mm. which we never want to have, but what was going on during that time? You mm. know, there's music going, are there distractions? You know, are people calling surgeons or, you know, nurses attending to other things when they should be counting? It's so important. That is our part of the surgery. So, you know, the surgical team has to understand that we need to take a pause and make sure that we're doing everything mm-hmm. possible to, to, first of all, keep this patient safe. And second of all, to make sure that we have everything that we started with at the beginning of the surgery. Right. Right. So, you know, shifting that culture to say, okay, my portion is done with the surgical team. Now it's the nurse's turn to make sure that um, they they button up what they need to do at the end of the surgery, in the middle of the surgery, or at the beginning of the surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we count so many times. So, yeah, it's very important. Well, we know that um, certainly RSIs can be devastating for a patient, whether it's pain, illness, an additional surgery, of course, infections, and even death, unfortunately. Um, It's also expensive. A single incident not only costs the patient, but particularly the Institute, uh, a lot of money, a half million or more, depending on what's going on with productivity, with lawsuits, with public exposure, all of that. But 
we don't talk a lot about the impact on a team and um, what happens to the team themselves when they know they've been involved in one, or even if they're just the ones that are recouping and helping uh, fix the implications of one. So every OR has had times when the team is at least looking for where's the missing sponge or the missing whatever. Um, but when an actual sentinel event occurs, it also impacts the team. So can you tell us a little bit about the team's response to really working on near misses and actual incidents and how it's affected them as part of this journey? Yeah, Renee, that is so important. You know, we're all here for patient safety. You know, we, we come into work every day to make sure that everything we do is, is, a, you know, is focused on that patient and great outcomes and safe patient care but we're human and it does happen. And when it does, it's devastating. You know, I've sat with teams, entire teams, and it's not just your nurses and your surgical techs, the ones that are the frontline counting. Um, it also affects your surgeons and your first assistants and your residents. You know, they have the same compassion for that patient Absolutely. that we all do. And that's their patient. And you know, it's devastating when you have to um, approach a family and tell them, that we have to bring your loved one back to surgery because of a mistake that we made. And, you know, we come together as a team and we sit down and we really go through the series of events. What happened? You know, when did you uh, recognize that something was missing or did you recognize that something was missing? You know, a lot of the correct counts are really incorrect and we think that they're correct. So, so true. Mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what were we doing at that time? Were there distractions, you know, was, um, you know, something happening with the patient that we focused our, our attention to something else besides counting? Was that an appropriate time to count? You know, there's so many things that are involved and uh, it's devastating. I I've had teams that we've definitely um, sent to um, caring for caregivers mm. because they were so devastated. And it's just moving through that and really learning from the experience and talking about the experience. You know, you don't want to keep it to yourself because, you know, talking and, you know, seeing other people's, you know, not, I, wanna, I don't want to say opinion, but, you know, approach to maybe we could, we can learn from others of how we can improve our process or our workflow. I'm just from different experiences. So it's so important that you're supporting that team because nobody wants this to happen. Not exactly. a single person that comes into that operating room wants this to happen. Exactly. And I think the power of understanding there's a whole process that broke down. It wasn't all me because I've right. seen that happen. Of I'm going to take all the blame. No, no, no. There's a whole process that happened here most often. And then how they can become a very powerful storyteller for others and really impact. So great right. story, thank you. You know, and it also strengthens the relationship. You know, when when this does happen, and like I said, we don't wanna see it happen, but it does. But you know, the, the teams really come together as a, as a complete unit. Um, mm -hmm. I've never seen when this happens, people point fingers at other people. They really come together because they're, they're there for the same reason, whether it was a miscount on somebody's watch or, you know, the surgeon may have done whatever. But I, I, in my past experience, they really come as a team and support each other. Recently, uh, in talking with some other OR leaders about uh, RSI prevention, we heard comments like, oh, we don't have a problem which was concerning. Uh, and I think in healthcare, we can be very reactive. There's many things to attend to. And so at any moment we have to figure out what is the most important, but, 
but you're talking about taking a very proactive and preventive approach to the problem of RSI. And, you know, it's, it's like we shift from uh, putting on the seatbelt only after we've had an accident to always putting it on anytime mm -hmm. we're going driving, right? So tell us about how you made that shift from just, you know, paying attention and maybe some process improvements to really proactively uh, incorporating best practice technology into your RSI prevention strategy. Like we've been talking about this whole time, it's so important. And when you really talk about patient safety, that's when it really catches the ear of everybody, whether you're clinical or, you know, business, it really catches the ear of everybody that um, needs to be involved. Adjunct technology is a wonderful additive to what we do, especially for patient safety. You know, it's like you go buy an insurance policy, hopefully you don't need it but you know, it's there if you do. Um, I like to look at it like that I, in my 25 years at the Cleveland Clinic, and I'm sure it's everywhere in healthcare. Um, we seem to be reactive instead of proactive. We really don't change something that's not broken. So, you know, why would you add something um, that may take you a little bit longer, or it's definitely gonna um, add to your uh, financial cost of the procedure? But when you really break it down, um, you're looking at, you know, you're spending a little bit here, but in the long term, um, you're really, really saving on, you know, what, what everything that comes with a retained surgical sponge or mm -hmm. a retained surgical item, you know, you know, it could be another surgery for the patient, infections and all of that stuff that comes with a foreign item being left in patient. So just making sure that we have that fail safe. It's not in, you know, like I always tell my team, you know, your adjunct technology, it does not take the place of, of your manual count. You know, what we've added adjunct technology many, many years ago. And I've, <laughs> I, uh, I've had the privilege of working without it because it wasn't available. And I've mm -hmm. had the privilege of working with it, you know, introducing it, you know, people don't want change. They don't like change. So introducing it, um, you know, you, you maybe get a little pushback with it, but in the long run, I can't imagine operating without it. Um, it's just part of the workflow. It has really, really made an impact on um, our accuracy with counting. And um, I, I don't think that anybody at the Cleveland Clinic that I work with, all the nurses and surgical techs, um, they would not feel safe not using it. So um, it's, it's definitely um, added value to our workflow and patient safety for us. Well, I love the way you describe it as really, it's your normal. Um, it is. I can't imagine not having it. So clearly the, the whole team has seen the impact of it and be able to normalize it, if you will, into this, mm -hmm. what you do for safety. And of course you would. So talk a little bit about some of the justifications you needed to do, because it is a significant change to introduce that. It is mm -hmm. a significant cost, at least initially. And very few people just get it in without really having to prepare, create the change, et cetera. So what were some of your barriers? What were some of the justifications that you needed to do? Key partners, perhaps. Talk a little bit about that journey. It's almost uh, nurse-driven. Um, you 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 look at things. You decide whether you know this could really impact your workflow. 
It could, um, you know, enhance your practice and it can really actually save you time. So, you know, getting the, the nursing involved first was huge. Um, you know, once we get the nurses on board, you know, you take it to your executive leadership. And like I said before, when you're, when you're talking patient safety, pe- people's ears perk up. You can pull probably any hospital's mission statement and, you know, great point. patient care is, is probably in there somewhere in some shape or form. So that's definitely, um, you know, going to be on your side. You know, you look at your financial piece, but, you know, if you do your homework and you, you really go through the statistics of how much it's going to cost, and that's just one single person, upwards of, you know, four hundred to $500,000. In some cases, when you're bringing patients back to the OR, if there's infections or, you know, worse, like we've talked before. So having that fail safe, and, and it was relatively easy um, at that point. We are such a big institution. You know, I would love to say that we've never had one, um, but we have. And, and I'm sure there's people out there that can say they never had one, but you never had one until you do. Exactly. It just means their chance of having one is even higher because. Yes. yes. And, and once you do, um, you just don't want to be in that situation. And, you know, with the manual account and the adjunct technology, it really does save you time. Um, you're able to detect if something is missing early on. You're able to, you know, put out the uh, the flares to, uh, you know, for assistance if you need it. It's just it, it it's just been a huge impact with us, and uh, you know, we are con- going to continue to use it, and we will always have it. Um, and you know, the technology gets better and better, so mm-hmm. it's only getting better. It's like your your iPhone, like you know, it's exactly. <laughs> upgrade and upgrade and upgrade. And um, you know, we I just all of those factors put in, and uh, just pleading your case and, and showing the statistics and doing your homework. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely um, it was a, an easier process. I don't want to say it happened overnight. It does take time. Everything takes time in healthcare, I think. I mean, you you want you know to introduce a new product or whatever. It takes time. Definitely, definitely worth it. Did you implement across all your specialties? Was it all or nothing? Where was uh, perhaps other procedural areas? Talk a little bit about that because it usually does start with surgery, but there's a lot of other things that are impacted by it. Yes. Yeah, we did start with surgery and we did it um, with all inpatient surgery, Mm -hmm. outpatient surgery, even our ambulatory care centers. Great, great. Mm -hmm. They have it. Cath labs and, and endoscopy suites, it is available. Um, you know, depending on what kind of procedures they're doing, whether they would use it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends if we're doing percutaneous sticks, they may may not be um, using a surge account, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. may be counting different things such as um, stents or wires and things like that. So definitely is available, definitely using it, especially in like your OB suites and things like that for sure. Yep. Great. Well, uh, AORN is pretty excited to have just launched our Center of Excellence in Surgical Safety with the Prevention of RSI program, um, sponsored by Stryker through the AORN Foundation. It is a comprehensive approach to help OR teams identify the risks, raise awareness, like we've been talking about, educate, which is a different part of the process, and then implement some of these patient safety protocols that can prevent 
RSI and give facilities a center of excellence designation and recognition for patient safety to really um, show off the hard work that is behind it. I know that Cleveland Clinic did a lot of similar steps several years ago. We've heard about a few of them from some of your stories. So given what you've learned about putting this big kind of initiative into place, do you have some advice for folks that are thinking about doing this? And, and you've talked a little bit, but say a little more too about some of the payoff that might not be so apparent as well. Yeah, what, what I can tell the folks that don't have it, just do it. <laughs> It'll definitely enhance your workflow. Um, it has been, you know, we want to work smarter, not harder. So, you know, this, this gives, you know, nurses a, um, a quick check to their manual accounts that allows them to be focused more on, you know, patient care and up with the patient because, you know, this, you know, people would think that it would take time, especially when we introduced it, you know, the surgeons, they don't, they don't want to add any time onto their day. They don't want to add any time onto their surgical case. Um, so you, you may get a little pushback there, mm-hmm. but once it's incorporated and everybody's educated on it and everybody mm-hmm. knows how to use it. And by the way, it doesn't work if you don't use it. Right. So, right. <laughs> but, you know, it really does enhance your workflow. I just can't speak enough about, you know, doing things efficiently, quickly and efficiently. Right. And, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing everything possible. And this has definitely, definitely added value to our nursing practice. You know, sometimes you would find that, you know, maybe somebody would put up sponges on a sterile field and the circulator may be attending to something else Mm -hmm. or, you know, they're um, maybe out of the room getting a product, adding into your manual account, you know, you would scan your sponges so that they, you would know that they were there if you didn't physically see them go on the table. Um, You know, we, there's, we're very, 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 adamant about, you know, everything going through the circulating nurse to Mm -hmm. the scrub Mm -hmm. nurse or the scrub tech, you know, one hand to the next. But everybody knows that if you work in the OR, things aren't as textbook as you like them to be. So, you know, nurses are running around doing other things. This just gives you that added safety net that Mm -hmm. you know that the sponges are there, which which is huge. Mm -hmm. Well, I love how you talk about going back to some of your earlier comments about it's really nurse driven. It really comes from that desire for patient safety, desire to focus on the right thing. Mm -hmm. And your focus on this is going to help your workflow, help you focus on the things you want to be doing, um, working smarter, not harder. And those are some great comments to think about those benefits uh, to get to. None of us want to waste time. And none of us want to be doing the things that we didn't plan on. And I, so I love that focus. And I think that absolutely is part of an effective implementation of this, Dina. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing those insights. I think it will inspire and encourage others that are looking at that and wanting to, should I take that jump? And so thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed today's conversation. We encourage all of you to go to AORN.org and read about the new Center of Excellence in Surgical Safety, Prevention of RSI Program. It includes immersive education like escape rooms. It has a business case tool and other elements that will help you reduce the risk of RSI. And facilities can earn national recognition as a Center of Excellence in Surgical Safety. This is Renee Battier. Thank you for listening to Periot Talk. And we hope you join us again soon. Thanks for listening. 
We hope you'll share this podcast with your colleagues, and we hope that you'll join us next time for Periop Talk.